Hey, Gene. Hey, how's it going? Going good. Going good. So um, today we're going to discuss the article in New York Times, mostly written by accountants. I think there were a couple of accountants who kind of contributed to that. Did you get a chance to read it? Yeah, it was it was a pretty short read, pretty easy to understand, very simple wording. Well, could I recommend. Guess, could? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, let's talk a lot about uh, this article a little bit and kind of more uh, more about the um, kind of in which situations you should, you can do it, absolutely do it yourself and you should do it yourself and in which situations you should hire someone and when you do hire and what, when you do kind of do it yourself, what you should look out for. Mm-hmm. So the first point that the article makes is that small errors lead to expensive tax bills. I completely agree with that. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, I think, I think a good sort of precaution is that accounting is a profession and there are professionals set up to like handle tax season for people and businesses and like future planning and stuff. And the, the American system that we live in is intentionally complicated and has all these loopholes and exceptions and special cases. And no matter who you are, it's very hard to understand all the complexity, even if your personal situation isn't very complex, it is still very complex. So like even with me, very simple return, like I guess I made a mistake this year and I had to amend it and hopefully it's all fine. And every year I always had this little uncertainty without any complicated business entities or life events or anything. So I think even in the simplest of circumstances, getting some advice from a professional isn't like unwarranted. If you feel uncomfortable, I would definitely recommend talking to an accountant, talking to someone that is used to preparing taxes. Uh, Do you want an, an example? Do I want or do I have? Do I, do you want an example? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so this is an example of someone who has a more complicated tax situation, obviously. And, um, there's no question that this person has always used an accountant to prepare taxes, but, um, basically this client of mine, he has been a client for many years and I've done just like some controller type work, never taxes, First it was bookkeeping, then it was controller work and never, and then, you know, never, he never gave me his tax, um, prep. And the reason was that, you know, he was like, well, I'm getting a really good deal on fees and et cetera. And I'm like, well, that's fine. I don't negotiate in my fees. I don't really compete on my fees. Um, you know, I give you my fee and basically if it works for you, good. If it doesn't fine, like we go our separate ways, but Um, so one year after I got trained in like proactive tax planning, one year I, um, uh, offered to take a look at his tax returns for prior years. And this was in, in December of, um, of a certain year. So 
prior year returns were already filed and, you know, where we're kind of closing the year and et cetera. So I looked at his tax return and I looked at his records. And basically what I realized is that nobody really looked at his QuickBooks. Um, what I mean is that nobody really paid attention to the types of income that he had. So he had about a $250,000 schedule C, which means that you overpay tax by probably about 70 grand. Um, well, actually it's less than that, but the reason that his was about 70 or 80 was because a portion of his in income was actually capital gains, long-term capital gains that are treated, uh, that are taxed at preferential rates, so much lower rates. So typically, let's say if your tax rate is marginal tax rate, so your tax bracket is 35%, um, you would pay 15% on the capital gains. Now he was being taxed on 300,000 almost worth of income on 35% plus the self-employment tax. So another 15.3%, imagine. So nobody really paid attention to the types of income. Nobody really questioned it. Nobody really looked into it in detail. So when I came on board, I pointed things out and he was in shock. Um, and then the decision to switch was an no-brainer. Uh, but he obviously is now paying much more for tax preparation and tax handling, but he's getting the value. He's getting the attention and et cetera. So um, small mistakes there. I mean, in this case, it wasn't a small mistake. It was kind of the failure to, to really look into the tax return. Everybody was rushing to get it done. Nobody really paid, thought twice about um kind of the type of income that it is and just question it or whatever. But, um, you know, things like that happen all the time. So would you, I don't want to say recommend, but do you think that getting a second opinion every once in a while is something that more people should be doing? Well, second opinions are uh, a little weird, especially for accountants. Um, the reason is that, in order for me to recommend you something, I would probably charge a lot of money just because you're buying my expertise. You're not just buying an hour of my time. Yeah, of course. Um, so a lot of most people, when they do want a second opinion, they would not want to pay for it as oh. much as it's worth. So like for me next year, I was thinking I could do the taxes myself and then go to a professional, pay them to do taxes and then see the difference <laughs> and like, sure, that's a waste of my time. That's a waste of money. But then I get to sort of check myself. Maybe I'm okay in my situation. I can do it myself or maybe it's not. And I missed something and it's good that I double checked. Um, You know, people generally don't do that. Maybe they Obviously. should, maybe they shouldn't. <laughs> But they usually don't do it. And the reason is that, you know, people hate taxes. They hate having to file them, dealing with them, getting information to get them done. They don't understand the forms. Like I have a lot of clients who are, you know, not tech or finance finance professionals. They're, let's say, artists or creative people. And um, most of them, when they look at a form, they don't, it doesn't make any sense to them. Right. And... Yeah. And that's so, sort like of that the second bullet point of this article of a lot of the software, you sort of blindly enter these numbers and forms 
without understanding and a professional hopefully has a deeper understanding of what these forms and like words and numbers mean. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of, um, I mean, second opinions to go back to your point are you probably won't want to pay for a second opinion. Um, what I would recommend kind of is, you know, there's an expression, fake it till you make it. There's also an expression, face it till you make it. Um, so I'm kind of a believer in the latter one. I think that everyone should just try to understand their tax return, just to understand their numbers. Usually people are forced to do that when let's say every year they pay a certain amount or whatever, they get a certain amount. And then this one year numbers are drastically different. That's usually the only time that people actually really question their preparer or their own abilities. And like, for example, to your point about the software, like, for example, a dependent, right? There are like a ton of rules on claiming someone as a dependent. There's the head of household rules. You know, they're slightly different from the regular dependent and all of that. So software will try to kind of get the information from you as much as it can, but there's no guarantee that you've done it right. Right. And the trade-off is using this automated software or a professional probably using a similar software, but at least they have a deeper understanding and more experience in using it? Um, we don't use this, this, even a similar software. Like TurboTax makes it... TurboTax has a good GUI, graphic user interface. Um, our software usually doesn't because you kind of are expected to know if someone is a dependent, it, like our software doesn't ask questions. Um, we ask questions. Do you have dependents? Let's kind of understand who they are. Do they make any money? Can you claim them? You know, are you divorced? Who's claiming them? Do you have this form on file? All of that. Software will try as much as it can to do that for you, like TurboTax. But professional software is far, like is very different. And like people sometimes ask me, and I actually laugh out loud, uh, oh, are you familiar with TurboTax? I'm like, no. <laughs> right. And from the software world, again, like it's it's a crazy distinction between a client-facing application and an internal tool. So like right now, I mostly deal with internal tools. So the people using them are expected to be professionals and knowledgeable about what they're inputting. And there's a lot less checking there's a lot less safety in using these professional tools but they are uglier and hopefully as basically like developers and javascript frameworks evolve it'll it'll become nicer for professional tools but from a development standpoint if you can add features or you can make it like prettier almost always the prettier takes a backseat to being able to expose more functionality, more features, which sucks. Like yeah. you should have both. Well, the professional software is built to um, basically address any type of tax situation, whereas the more simple software that users like you use to get their taxes done is just more simplistic. It can handle um, usually the more robust situations, which a lot of business owners have, for example. So they can't even expect them to be even kind of in the same level 
you know, that's, I mean, I always feel almost shame when I see these like professional tools that are ugly and unintuitive and you need like months or years of training to like fully understand them. Like we have the ability to have good functionality and also make it user-friendly. Well, here's the thing with a professional tax software. So it's not ugly. It's fine. Like you can find everything you need. It's in the same order as a tax return, which is great because you can input the information and then you go like, you know, like your tax return goes like W2, interest, dividends, et cetera. Same thing. The software input also goes in the same kind of order. So I don't, I can't say that it's ugly or unintuitive. It's, it's actually, and it doesn't take years to get it, to get to know it actually. And most professional software, it doesn't take years to get to know. And another thing is that with the tax, things changing so often. And like, for example, this um, extension of three months till July for people, right? Um, If you were filing normally, and let's say you were outside of the April 15 window, you would get a diagnostic. It would say it wouldn't let you e-file because you're outside of the 415. But now they have to reprogram that feature to make sure that it doesn't show a diagnostic because the government is accepting it. So all of those little changes, um, all of those like extension of uh, extensions of benefits, like for example, there was an extension um, made retroactively for something just recently. So the software has to go back and reprogram so that you can actually process tax returns correctly. Yep i I can't imagine how complex that software is like to write it, to keep it all straight, to know what's where. Yeah. Like, uh, for example, you have to, like when you e-file, you get e-file diagnostics and you can't e-file if those diagnostics exist. So you have to resolve them. Um, So imagine like, for example, you are supposed to put in, like if you're a business, you're supposed to put in the number of number of W-2s that you've issued so that they can verify that it's you if you've paid salaries. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's a recommended diagnostic. Like it's, it's recommended to do that. It's not required. So the software has to do all these little things to make sure that something is required and doesn't prevent you from refiling. Something is not required. So, um, going back to the article, uh, number three is when a family member dies, why add tax taxes to the burden? So that's actually also a situation where, um, you know, having a professional prepare your taxes is beneficial because there are certain things that can be accrued for the deceased. There are certain things that have to be split up, um, kind of, you know, before the person died and after the person died. And it's usually people are, you know, obviously grieving and, um, it becomes super stressful for them to have to deal with taxes. Yeah. Any, any sort of, and that's what the next couple of bullet points deal with when, when you go through a life change and your tax situation is now different. And that's where I feel like maybe getting a consultation or having an accountant walk you through that year's return will, will benefit you if that sort of thing won't happen again. Like sure. If someone dies, you only have to worry about it for the one year, but maybe not. Maybe they left some sort of trust or if you get divorced, what does that mean going forward? So I guess that's another argument to use a professional and have them guide you because you could make mistakes just using regular tax software. Yeah. 
Um, it's actually interesting. There's one in item five, you're a single parent. Um, there is, um, uh, I guess, a, an excerpt uh, by a New York City accountant. Um, um, that's also, again, like when everything is like you're married or you're single and you have a W-2 and stuff, it's fine. You can do it on your own. But like when you get, as soon as you like get divorced or you're a single parent or someone dies, all these little things come up. Like, for example, for single parents, it's the head of household versus single claiming dependence. Obviously, head of household is a much um, more beneficial status, but there are certain rules that are more strict than just claiming dependence. So that kind of has to be decided by by a professional or you should like really go through the details of, of the rules. And oftentimes, I don't know about you, but oftentimes I found that people are like, well, um, let's say there's a rule of, of providing half of the support, right? So it sounds simple on the surface, right? Like you're supposed to provide more than half of, per, of your dependent support mm -hmm. in order to claim them as a dependent. So, oh yeah, I definitely provide more than half of the support. But if you start digging, for example, in a case of div divorced parents, Let's say the other parent is paying child support, which is not taxable, but it's a very significant child support amount. So you can't really claim that you're providing more than half of the support. Yes, you can maybe claim the dependent because of the divorce um, wording, but you won't be able to do a head of household, for example. Right. And again, in those situations, I feel like it's best to defer to professionals who know your local laws and... I guess, are familiar with your situation. Like it's hard to give blanket advice for everyone. Absolutely. Well, I always tell my potential clients that, you know, it's business is personal. In order for me to advise you better, I have to know what your personal life is like, you know, not the details and stuff, but kind of like, you know, what you're dealing with where, where do you think you're like going in life and what are your plans and all of that? Like all of that plays into the decisions that we make in terms of taxes for people. Yeah. So, um, I guess the other, I agree that this article is a little simplistic, but I feel like it's, it's to the point and it's, it's good because it's attempting to tell people to seek advice if any of these situations apply, which is good, at least it's a first step kind of, because I don't think there is um, really a good guide on when you can do it yourself and, and stuff. What do you think? I think there's a lot of people offering a lot of advice, but what this article does well is kind of highlight situations where a very many like a, like a big percent of people will go through at least one of these scenarios and it's just everyday life stuff. And a lot of people don't think about the tax implications and taxes are, at least for me, like a pretty significant part of money that I'm losing every year. Yeah. And maybe like reading an article like this, if I become a landlord, now I'll know, okay, I need to see an accountant because my tax situation changed. I remember this one article said that, hey, if you go through something, sure, you have the business to take care of. You have all these other responsibilities. Don't mess up on taxes because that'll make everything else worse. And you get like 
the government coming after you for money they owe, or maybe overpay and you like feel stupid 20 years later yep. when you realize that you made a mistake. Yep. That's right. Um, absolutely ignoring or just kind of pretending like taxes don't exist is more common than you know. I've had a client who hasn't filed taxes for five years and ended up owing close to three to 400,000, just the tax, not penalties or interest. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) taxes are like, they, they seem burdensome, but we live in a society and that society needs to be funded. And I mean, the, the point of it is that everyone is better off with these services and these services need to be paid for. And a lot of times in states that like don't have income tax, they, they have to fund services other ways. So they might yeah. have like higher sales tax or special fees on gasoline or rental cars or hotels. Yep. But all these services, roads, police, I mean, anything that you would associate with a good society, it has to be funded. And there's no one else other than people to fund them. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or free anything, really. And sometimes um, it doesn't seem fair. And what doesn't seem fair? The taxes? Having to pay taxes? Yeah, like when I used to make less, my first year out of college, I got a crazy amount back because I could deduct my like education f- payments. The interest, I wasn't earning any money, so I got back a lot of like the federal return. And then a couple of years later, I'm getting nothing back. And, and this year I had to pay and it, it almost feels like I was che- like cheated or <laughs> why'd you take this money? And they were taking it all year and then I have to give you more. But like I sort of treat it as a like a privilege almost. Like I pay a lot of money in taxes, but that's also because I'm probably well off and it seems unfair, but that's just what you have to do in society. When I was first out of college, I was in like the lowest income bracket having, you know, no income. And then now I'm be able now I'm, now I'm able to afford to like live as an adult and a professional and that does come with the responsibilities of paying for goods and services that were provided for me when I wasn't making as much. Yeah. You know, just uh, a little side note. Um, it seems that if you weren't making any money and you got a lot of money back, that seems that something was done wrong. But uh, it's been a couple of years since then, so you, there's nothing really that you can do. Oh, no. I mean, you- I just entered the forms. So I made some money. And oh, then okay. the... No, oh, no, no, no. I mean, I, I always had a W-2. I always had the the interest from student loans. And then the first year I, I paid like for tuition and that was the big deduction. Right. I'm assuming. Um, yes, it is a credit. It's not a deduction. So, yeah, um, <laughs> professionals, professionals know. 
Yes, but the credits are usually a dollar for dollar reduction, which which makes it um, substantial usually. Because the deduction you just get, you know, you deduct it from income, but then your tax doesn't go down dollar for dollar. But when, with a credit, it does, especially with educational credits, which is great. And partially it was refundable, which means that even if your tax was zero, you still got some money back. So yeah, I can totally see that. Absolutely. So another thing is that I wanted to kind of just to finish off with this article to talk about is the nanny stuff. I mean, I don't see a lot of this happening um, in terms of like a lot of the people who have nannies run payroll for them. But I guess in certain states or in certain areas like that could be a potential issue. So if you have a nanny, you should definitely have some payroll and et cetera, just to protect yourself and the nanny as well. But the other one, the next one, this number seven, when you become a landlord, that's something that I do want to kind of address because I've have kind of secondhand experience with it. Oh, same. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, my husband purchased a condo many years ago and he's been doing his taxes on TurboTax for the first five years of our relationship because I wasn't an accountant yet um, and I didn't have any tax experience. And when I took over, uh, this was about five years into it, um, like five years into the apartment, um, he was renting it out. Um, we realized that TurboTax never, we never claimed depreciation. <laughs> and the funny thing is that, um, first of all, you have to allocate some, some money that you buy, uh, for which you buy property. You have to allocate some of it to land because you do get some land, even with an apartment, like let's say, with a co-op or condo, you still are allowed to use some land. Like maybe it's going to be very like a small percentage, maybe five, 10%, but still you should allocate some to land because it's not depreciable. Now, um, when you claim depreciation, which is the allocation of costs. So you can't, like, let's say you purchase, uh, for those of you who don't know, you purchase a, um, property for 300,000, you can deduct it as an expense, obviously the whole thing because it's used for much more than uh, one year, much longer. So you're supposed to depreciate, if you rent stuff out, you're supposed to depreciate it over 27 and a half years for a residential property. So How many years? 27 and a half. That's a lot. Of Commercial years. property is 39. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, so, so, far, so he hasn't been depreciating for five years, but the thing is, when you have a rental, um, you have to kind of pay tax when you sell, you have to pay tax on depreciation recapture, whether or not you've taken depreciation. So you're treated as, as if you took depreciation, even if you didn't. <laughs> so you had, um, you were able to take it. And the fact that you didn't is your problem is your mistake. We're going to treat you as um, as if you took depreciation, even though you didn't get any tax benefit out of it. So, <laughs> um, somehow he missed that on TurboTax. Somehow he either missed a question or, you know, whatever, but it was never depreciated for five years. And then at the time it didn't make sense to go and amend because amending means you open up your tax returns for another three years of potential audit. So let's say you filed something like five years ago, 
that's it. The statute of limitations already is done. You're not, you can live kind of, uh, live sleep better knowing that they won't come back and audit you. But, uh, when you open it, when you amend prior tax returns, you open it up for another three years of audit window. So it didn't make sense to do that. So as soon as you buy your first rental property, you should definitely, um, have an accountant prepare your taxes. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine what like complexity there is. And like, I mean, I, say you use an accountant for the first couple of years and then you kind of get it. Maybe you can <laughs> like continue doing it, but when there's like big money on the line, why not, why not just have the peace of mind that you have a professional that you trust handle this for you? Like it's not that expensive having an accountant well, for these um, small business situations. Well, it depends. If you're getting a traditional accountant, yeah, you can get someone for um, for a pretty you know good deal. But the problem is that they don't spend enough time in your tax situation, which can work. Like let's say if you have one property, one rental, and some other income. You can get a traditional firm because you know their traditional firms are usually volume oriented. Um, they have staff that works overtime, and you know they're stressing out to get stuff out before April fifteenth. But it's not your problem. They will get it done. There's not much. They'll get it done right. There's not much that you can mess up in that scenario. But if you have a business, for example, I had a. Um, client that had a couple of separate businesses and a couple of dependents. So we were able to use, um, tax like income shifting strategies or entity restructuring to make sure that the overall tax is minimized. Like that's when you need a value billing accountant, someone who's, who's not a volume based because volume based will never spend enough time. They won't just won't have the time during tax season to spend enough, on your situation to make sure that everything is done to your, to the best of your, like for your, for your best benefit kind of, kind of thing. And like, how much can it cost if you are a landlord? Like I'm thinking it's like a thousand bucks. <laughs> I don't know. Every, every little problem I have in my apartment renting is some sort of thousand dollar fee. Anything is just always a thousand dollars and sure it could be no. like 600 i just round up how how expensive can it be <laughs> <laughs> it can be very expensive some of my clients are uh you know upwards of a couple of thousand dollars a month for uh, ongoing support but it's not only tax support it's more of a strategic planning kind of handling all the bookkeeping um kind of reconciling forecasting type stuff, plus the tax planning and kind of the support of the tax planning and, the, and also compliance, obviously. So I typically now accountants like me, we typically do kind of a monthly plans because we work with our clients. We work with much fewer clients and we work with them more often. Like, so my, my VIP clients, I talk to them every week. Some of them, I do their books every day. Um, some of them are monthly. Some of them are kind of like quarterly. Um, some of them are just on the tax prep basis, but it's kind of the old um, style that I'm trying to move away from. But um, 
Like if you're just getting a traditional account, let's say you have a couple of W-2s and you have a rental property, um, a traditional accountant will cost you anywhere between um, $750 and $2,000 maybe. Okay. And that's what you need. You don't need, you know, with that situation, like I said, you need a traditional firm, someone who can just get the stuff done right and that's it. But let's say if you have a business and then another business is born within that business, meaning let's say you you have a showroom and the brand is kind of born out of the showroom um, that the showroom will also represent, but it's going to be this other big company because um, you're making a lot of sales and et cetera. You're selling a lot of clothes. In that scenario, you need someone on a regular basis working on your stuff because from a tax perspective, for example, we did a spinoff of this new um, brand so that later when they sell this brand, they can pay zero tax on $10 million. Now the showroom kind of was converted to another entity so that they don't have to pay self-employment and income tax on the entire income. So, and then there are payments between the two entities for showroom fees and et cetera. So there are scenarios where you would be paying, you know, two to 3000 a month to, for someone to handle your books, someone like me who would help you build your forecasting to understand where you're going to be every month in terms of cash, can you handle production costs and all of that. So it it will it can in it ranges from three hundred dollars to infinity, <laughs> depending on really depending on the situation, the complexity, and the involvement of an accountant. Like I offer services like Profit First. Um, um, you know, kind of setting you up in profit first, helping you manage your business with, you know, using profit first methodology. I also do kind of price consulting, which means that I, we, I work with your business to kind of help you, um, uh, set prices and maybe increase prices in, on certain products to, to help you, um, get more money like that kind of thing. So there, it, it really arranges from, from, you know, very little, um, to very, to very much. <laughs> and I guess that also has to do with most people's experience with accountants is just that they do your taxes, but really there's a ton of other stuff that they're qualified and trained to do. And like, if you don't know about it, you sort of ignore it and don't think too hard. But I mean, this article says that, you know, if you become a landlord, which pretty easy to get into you can get yourself in a complex tax situation without even knowing without even knowing that your accountant who just happens to do your taxes or maybe you do them yourself they can help you in other aspects of your business and they're not just tax preparers well there's this new generation of accountants who do much more than people thought accountants could do or did do so management, I have an MBA, so I know how to manage a business. I can help a business owner manage their business better in different aspects of, of a business. I mean, I won't tell you how to kind of do marketing or how to do, um, I don't know, how to increase sales necessarily, but because that's kind of your domain. You are, you're supposed to be doing that. But I will tell you how do you set things up from a legal, not from a legal perspective, but more like from a documentation perspective and from a funds transfer perspective to make sure that, you know what, you don't overpay tax because a lot of business owners who have traditional accountants 
whose situations are complex, um, overpay tax. Many of them do regularly. I mean, the only reason that they never bring this up or never think about it twice is, you know, they just kind of accept it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I pay this much. If it's drastically more, then they will question it. But if it's kind of the same every year, it's they don't they don't have a reason to like really they just kind of accept it and just move on and keep on paying. Yeah. And now I'm thinking like with the nanny example, you're basically employing someone. So there's a whole bunch of other stuff that you don't want to make life complicated for the nanny. And it would be nice if you had an accountant sort of make it nicer for your employee as opposed to just like hack it or fake it till you make it. Yeah, pretty much. Like I really appreciate that we probably have hundreds if not thousands of employees that are focused on making sure that every other employee gets paid and gets proper tracking and hopefully some of those people are doing like consulting on what the business can afford and that's like more complicated corporate accounting, I guess, but I think people can very easily get into that situation and not know which professional to turn to. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It, um, it happens all the time. It, because of our society has kind of been in, in this decades of thinking that accountants only do a certain thing. But in fact, um, in the last five or seven years, there's been growth in a different type of accountant, um, an advisor. And people are kind of like, we, from an accounting perspective, we we get kind of encouraged and, and kind of, what's the word, um, inspired to do better, to provide more service, to work with less clients. And that's kind of what my company, my firm's um, goal is to work with less clients, but to work with them more during like during the week and during the month. Because if you think about it, if the accountant touches your kind of stuff once a year, how, how much can they really do for you? How much can they really spend time? And in bigger firms, if it's not a single kind of preparer in bigger firms, before it gets to the partner that you deal with, it goes through the prep, it goes through the review, and then it goes to maybe another manager. Then it gets into your desk and you're like, oh, it kind of makes sense. You kind of eyeball it and and that's it. Like how, my, how many people really take a look at your second look at your taxes and say, you know what? You should switch to be an S-corp because you're overpaying tax. That's what happened to a client of mine. They never did that. You know, they, they've been telling them for years. The client was like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. Um, Maybe I need to do it, but it was never done because it was never explained. No, nobody took the time. Yeah, uh, accountants are important. And it, it is interesting to see how that field is evolving almost to a consulting role and more full-time business owners are in communication with their accountants like traditional big companies are. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think we're we're um, we should be wrapping up, right? I think we discussed a lot of things. Do you want to kind of um, maybe summarize it a little bit, or or no? I mean, I'm sort of feeling this myself. If if you're uncertain, or maybe you're 
life had some sort of change where you did your taxes and you have a new form or when there's a change, I think it's definitely worth to go out, see a professional and they might tell you, Hey, don't worry about it next year. Just do it yourself. But I think a lot of people are worried unnecessarily. They can just go. You just got cut off. Oh no. Is it better? Yeah, but I missed what you've said. Well, so what I was saying was, if your situation changes, go see a professional. I don't think that the money savings is worth years worth of anxiety. Or if you don't, if you're not anxious, finding out in five, ten years that you could have saved hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars if you just went in and like got an, got an expert to look at it. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good summary. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we'll um, we'll have a probably have a guest next time. Yeah, and sure. And we'll, we'll wrap this up, topic up.